Mysterious Circumstances is an American Crimecast production. Remember, everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Hey everybody, it's Justin. I'm back with another short episode of Mysterious Circumstances. Uh, I got about another day and a half or so left of doing the last tail end of my research for my full length episode, which will be published in the next 48 hours. So until then, I like doing these uh, little short top 10 lists. I find them extremely intriguing and of course... As some of you listeners might know by now, I am addicted to the website listverse and have been for years. So this list isn't really uh, anything too mysterious, nothing too crazy. It's uh, it's a extremely intriguing list, and I'm pretty sure you might like it because uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you're into pretty much the same shit as I am. So this list is called. Well, first off, it's written by uh, Pauli uh, Puiso, and it was written in 2013, submitted to list first. And the title of it is 10 Notorious Witches and Warlocks. Now, before we get this list started, I just want everybody to know the word warlock is not an actual term for a witch who is a male. Warlock actually means oathbreaker, and it is not a good term to refer to anybody who is a witch or practices witchcraft it is uh, very derogatory uh, it's not a good thing so with that being said when I do mention the word warlock it is because it is, it is what's on this list and that's what they were using to refer to a witch who just happens to be a male so that being said um Let's get this uh, let's get this show going here. Uh, many individuals have risen to notable power and fame thanks to their supposed knowledge of magic and arcane arts. Now, some of them became rich and famous because of their talent, and others suffered violent deaths. The people on this list came from all social classes and every period of history. Their temperaments ranged from friendly to terrifying, yet they all had one thing in common. The world remembers them as witches and warlocks. And number 10 on our list is Maul Dyer. Now, Maul Dyer was a 17th century woman who lived in St. Mary's County, Maryland. Uh, many things about her were shrouded in mystery, but she, she was known to be a strange woman. Uh, an herbal healer and outcast who survived mostly through the generosity of others. She was eventually accused of witchcraft and burned out of her hut during a freezing cold night. She fled into the woods and was not seen for several days until a local boy found her body. Uh, Maul Dyer was frozen to a large rock in a kneeling position with one hand raised to curse the men who had attacked her. Her knees had left permanent impressions in the stone. The villagers quickly found out they had been harassing the wrong woman or since they had accused her of witchcraft, the right woman, possibly. 
Now, Maldire's curse fell upon the area for centuries, causing cold winters and epidemics. Now, her ghost, which is often accompanied by various strange spectral animals, which in witchcraft they are referred to as uh, familiars, which can be either people or, or animals, uh, it has been seen many times and is still said to haunt the area. Her eerie reputation eventually served as inspiring for the movie The Blair Witch Project. Although Mal Dyer is an influential folk figure in American witchcraft, reliable historical evidence of her existence is actually very scarce, so it's, it's hard telling whether she actually even existed or not. Now, uh, this woman right here actually, I believe, is still alive. Um... I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name. It's uh, Lori Cabot or Cabot. Uh, I think it's Cabot. Uh, but anyway, this is number nine. And uh, Lori Cabot has been one of the instrumental forces in popularizing witchcraft in the United States recently. A uh, California girl with a storied history as a dancer. Her keen interest in the magical arts led her to New England. After years of studying the craft, she set up shop in Salem, Massachusetts. Which, for those of you who are outside of the country and don't know about Salem, Massachusetts, uh, it is the historical epicenter of witch hunts and witchcraft, pretty much in America. Um, initially, she was wary of declaring herself as a witch, uh, but when her familiar, like I was uh, talking about earlier, which was a black cat, was stuck up a tree for, for days and the fire brigade refused to rescue it, she was forced to say she needed the cat for her rituals. Uh, the year was 1970 and the word witch still carried weight in Salem. Now the cat, after she had uh, mentioned the rituals, the cat was immediately rescued by extremely meek and polite firemen. Well, imagine that. And uh, now officially out of the broom closet, uh, Kabat became a national celebrity. She set up a coven and a witchcraft shop, both of which were instant hits. The shop, which has since moved online, became a uh, tourist destination. Now, Kabat rapidly became one of the most high-profile witches in the world. Even the local government got in on the action. Uh, the governor of Massachusetts, which was Michael Dukakis, declared her the official witch of Salem... Uh, thanks to her influence and good work in the community. Uh, Kabat maintains that any curse by a witch will come back to haunt her and never performs evil magic. Now on a side note, there's some religions that believe in the threefold rule, Wicca being one of them. Now if you're looking at traditional witchcraft, uh, often referred to as the old religion, there are there is no set set rules uh if you don't think that it'll come back at you threefold then it won't come back at you threefold uh wiccans uh actually have a what they call wiccan ready and it is basically pretty much bylaws um and one of them is that anything you do bad comes back to you threefold anything you do good comes back to you threefold so that was just a little side note there for a little bit of knowledge for you now, according to Lori, uh, uh, witchcraft is magic, astrology, and environmentalism combined in a scientific manner. She is the author of many books and a major influence on the Wiccan religion, which is why she believes in the threefold law. 
So, the Wiccan religion, which partially formed around her beliefs and approach to witchcraft, although she is hailed as a high priestess of Wicca, she says she does not actually practice the religion because she was already doing it long before Gerald Gardner introduced Wicca to the world. Now, another little piece of knowledge for you guys. If you don't know, Wicca is not an ancient religion. It was basically Gerald Gardner's version of, I, I want to say witchcraft. Gerald Gardner belonged to a coven for quite a long time, and he came up with a basic religion and a uh, in his coven. So it kind of spawned from there. This was in the, uh, I believe, the mid-60s. It was, it was definitely in the 60s, I believe, the mid-60s. But, uh, yeah, for those of you who don't know, yes, witchcraft is sometimes referred to as the old religion. Um, that's because witchcraft and Wicca are two different things. Not every Wiccan practices witchcraft. Not every witch is a Wiccan. Witchcraft is a practice. Wicca is a religion. So, just a little bit of knowledge for you right there before we go on. Uh, next one on our list is number eight, George Pickingill. Now, George actually sounds as though he walks straight out of a horror story. He was a tall and frightening 19th century man with a hostile demeanor and long, sharp fingernails. He was famous he was a famous cunning man, a practitioner of folk magic. Uh, cunning folk, which is what I actually like looking into quite a bit. Um, cunning mans were, they, they practiced folk magic, but they were also herbal healers. They worked with the community. They were basically there to just, they are there to help people. They worked on uh, mostly... You know, any kind of charity, whether it be food, animals, money, you know, whatever they could use, whatever he could use to get by. So, Old George, as he was commonly known, was a farm worker who claimed to be a hereditary witch. Now, according to him, his magical ancestry could be traced all the way back to the 11th century. And with Julia Pickingill, who was a sort of a magical assistant to a, to a local lord back in the 11th century... Now, uh, for those of you who don't know, hereditary witches are witches who are born into it. They're, it is a family tradition passed down um, through not very much ritualistic stuff, but more uh, an oral history going through the generations, and you are very much born into it. Um, now, Pickingill was a vile, unlikable man who often terrorized the other villagers for money and beer. However, he was respected as well as feared. He was said to be a skilled, skilled healer and occasionally settled disputes between villagers. Now, in occult circles, Pickingill was a superstar, essentially the Aleister Crowley of his time. He was recognized as the acolyte of an ancient horned god, a frequently a frequent ally of Satanist, and uh, the foremost authority on magical arts. As such, his counsel was widely sought by other witches. However, uh, this authority was somewhat spoiled by the fact that Pickingill was a bit of a bigot. 
Now, he would only endorse a coven if its members members could prove they were of pure witch lineage and something of a sexist, which, you know, all the work in his covens was done by women who also had to submit to some fairly uh, unsavory practices, if you know, if you catch my drift here. Now, even back in that day, it's almost impossible to prove that you are from pure witch lineage. Uh, just because of the fact when Christians decided to uh, pretty much steal all the pagan holidays and put them in Christianity, so you had to choose either Christianity or paganism, um, while they were going through and pretty much uh, slaughtering and just burning at the stake anybody who would not convert to Christianity, uh, a lot of these... I hate to say documents, but a lot of the the written proof of any kind of lineages was destroyed along with any kind of uh, basic knowledge of the craft. Now, that's how today a lot of hereditary witches, it's been passed down orally through generations and generations, and that that's usually one of the main reasons. Um, so that leads us to number seven on our list, which is Angela de la Barth. Angela de la Barth was a noblewoman and a notorious witch who lived in the 13th century. She was burned at the stake for a number of atrocious deeds she'd committed, according to the Inquisition. Her many crimes included, but were not limited to, nightly sexual relations with an incubus, giving birth to a wolf snake demon that was blamed for the disappearance of children in the area, and generally being an unpleasant person. Well, in reality, of course, Angela was nothing but an eccentric or perhaps mentally ill woman whose only crime was supporting Gnostic Christianism, a religious sect frowned upon by the Catholic Church. Her uncommon behavior led to accusations of witchcraft, when in turn, uh, which in turn led to a horrifying death. In those times, such uh, fates for people being accused of witches was extremely common. The next, uh, the next person on our list, number six, which is uh, a Bremelin the Mage. Now, the true identity of the 15th century man known as a Bremelin the Mage uh, has been lost to history. However, his legacy does live on in the form of thousands of followers and imitators. A Bremelin was a powerful warlock. Hate using that word, but. Uh, he was uh, described that by a Abraham of Wurzburg, a magical scholar who convinced uh, a Bremelin to teach him his secrets. Now, Abraham produced painstaking manuscripts of a Bremelin's magical system, which was a complex process of commanding good and evil spirits to do his bidding. The system was based on magical symbols that could only... Uh, that could only activate at certain times and using certain rituals. Now, in 1900, the manuscript was printed as a book called The Book of the Sacred Magic of Abramelin. It was an instant hit in the occult community and acted as a direct influence on many notorious practitioners, including the big-name guy, Aleister Crowley. Now, you can actually still find this, copies of this book. You can find them on eBay right now, as a matter of fact. 
Now, uh, number five on our list is uh, Alice Kytetler. Uh For a long time, Ireland was more relaxed about witchcraft than mainland Europe. However, uh, witch hunts eventually did arrive there. Uh, one of the first and most notorious victims of these changing attitudes was Alice uh, Kytetler, or Kytetler. Uh She was a wealthy moneylander whose husbands had a nasty habit of, uh, of dying and leaving everything to her. Hence why she was a wealthy uh, moneylender. Uh, when husband number four started to feel sickly and his fingernails began to drop off, his children smelled a rat, especially when they found out he was just about to sign a will that would leave everything to Alice. Now, in 1324, church officials put Alice on trial for heading a secret society of heretical sorcerers. She was not only the first witch to be accused on Irish soil, but also the first who had been directly accused of relations with an incubus. Now, authorities attempted to charge and imprison her multiple times. However, uh, Alice had many allies and was always managing uh, to escape those allegations. So, Alice eventually disappeared, leaving her servant and her son to be charged in her stead. Uh, she is said to have fled to England, where she lived in luxury for the rest of her life. Now, whether she actually dabbled in the dark arts or not, nobody really knows. But she is remembered to this day as the very first witch in Ireland. Now, this one here is also another uh, familiar one that I've definitely heard of before. This one is uh, number four on our list, is Tamsin Blight. Now, uh, he, a famous figure in 19th century Cornwall, England, uh, Tamsin Blight was an esteemed healer and hedge witch. Hedge witches were named for the hedges that surrounded villages, which acted as a symbol for the boundary between this world and the others. And that actually is true. And actually, uh, Cornwall, England... Uh, the the practice of witchcraft there, they actually have their own style, and it's referred to as Cornish witchcraft. Um, and yeah, it's actually pretty right. Hedge witches, that's why they were referred to hedge witches, because they balanced uh, their practices and their lives between the veil of the living and the dead, balancing on the hedge. Now, Blight was said to be especially good at removing spells and curses and also a crafty healer. Uh, she could enter a trance-like state and tell the future t as well. So, she, however, she actually had an arsenal of bad juju too and her reputation was somewhat tarnished by her husband who was a fellow magician uh, called James Thomas. Now, although he was a respected conjurer, Thomas was a drunken bully and widely disliked for his antics. And Tasman eventually parted ways with him, or Tamson, sorry about that, eventually parted ways with him, but they got back together toward the end of her life. Uh, Tamson, Blight's curses were effective uh, in practice because of her reputation and the esteem in which she was held. Now, once she cursed, a, one time she cursed a cobbler who wouldn't mend her shoes. She hadn't because he wouldn't mend her shoes because she hadn't been paying her bills, and uh, said he'd soon. She said he would soon be out of a job. 
So when word got out, no one did business with the man anymore, and he was eventually forced to leave the area. Now, number three on our list is uh, Eliphas Levi, which we have uh, his first name. Uh, his, his actual name was Alphonse Luis Constant, uh, who was better known as the name Ephias Levi is ahead, which he claimed was the birth name translated into Hebrew. He was the man largely responsible for the mystical arts as they, as they are known today. Now, during the 19th century, Eliphas Levi distilled a number of belief systems, from Christianity to Judaism to fringe beliefs such as Tarot and the writings of historical alchemists. He basically mended them into a strange hybrid that eventually became known as occultism. Now, a he was a trained theologist who almost became a priest. Levi was always more of a scholar than a practicing magician. Still, uh, he was extremely charismatic and had vast knowledge of many areas of magic. And he actually authored many books on ritual magic. Now, Levi was particularly known for his work with Bofomet. Uh, the gargoyle-like entity, the gargoyle-like entity allegedly worshipped by the Knights Templar. Now he considered this figure a representation of the absolute. He drew the famous picture of Bofomet as a winged, goat-headed female figure. Often, the first picture anyone thinks of this, of this, usually is when the cult occult is mentioned, which. Uh, the picture that they're talking about is a pentagram, or actually a pentacle, put upside down with two points facing the top and a goat's head in the middle of it. That would be the picture of Bofomet that they're referring to. Now, uh, number two on our list is actually Raymond Buckland. And Raymond Buckland is actually a pretty current guy. Uh, uh, he is considered the father of American Wicca and was deeply impressed by modern Gardnerianism, uh, Wicca, which he took from Gerald Gardner's teachings to the New World and eventually refined them into his own variation called Saks Wicca. Now, he was a veteran of witchcraft, and he has been involved in covens since the 1960s, and usually as a leader. Um, he is a Wiccan priest and a revered expert in all things neo-pagan. Uh, until his retirement from active witchcraft in 1992, he spent decades as the most recognizable spoke spokesman and the foremost expert of, of the craft. Now, these days he actually lives in rural Ohio, where he writes books about magic and continues to practice solitary version of the craft. Now, for those of you who do not know, solitary uh, witchcraft is where you actually practice alone. You are not part of a coven. You are your own person doing your own thing. And uh, it's nice to know he lives in Ohio, right next to my home state of Indiana. <laughs> but anyway, uh, let's see what we got here for number one. Alright, we got Agnes Waterhouse for number one. So, Agnes Waterhouse, who's commonly known as Mother Waterhouse, was one of the most famous witches England has ever known. 
the crimes she was accused of were pretty heinous. Uh, Mother Waterhouse and two other witches actually stood trial for dallying with the devil, cursing people, and even causing bodily harm and multiple deaths through their black magic. Uh, the strange thing about the case was that the church had nothing to do with accusing Agnes. <clears throat> she was the first witch to be sentenced to death by a secular court. Now, in her testimony, Agnes freely admitted to practicing the dark arts and devil worship. She owed a she owned a cat uh, she called Satan, which she claimed to have sent to kill her enemies, livestock and on occasion the enemies themselves so she was sending these things to kill cows chickens sometimes people um there's sometimes i wish i had a cat like that but anyway uh and at the the most interesting fact about she was totally unrepentant okay she stated that satan had told her she would die by hanging or burning and there was not a lot she could do about it so she pretty much did not feel bad about any of this she did not care uh now mother mother waterhouse was in was indeed sentenced to hang for her crimes despite the fact that the two other witches facing similar charges were let off lightly uh one was actually found not guilty and the other one was sentenced to only a year in prison although later uh, charges actually led to her death so the uh, mother waterhouse uh, her satanic bravado didn't last for long after sentencing uh, on her way to the gallows waterhouse made one last confession she had once failed to kill a man because his strong belief in God had prevented Satan from touching him. She actually went to her death praying for for God's forgiveness. Now that is uh, very interesting right there. Um, extremely, extremely interesting. But I hope you like the list. Um, I hope you like the little knowledge bombs I dropped on you. Um, like I said earlier, my full-length episode should be out in the next 48 hours. I'm going to make it a point to get it out by Friday. Just got a few more things to look up. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, feedback, suggestions for uh, a case that I can research in the future, uh, I would love to hear from you. You can get me at MysteriousCircumstances99, the number 99 at gmail.com again that is mysterious circumstances 99 at gmail.com uh, and I'd like to give a shout out right now to incomptech.com uh, Mr. McLeod over there for providing me with uh, my royalty free uh, intro and outro music I do appreciate that uh, I definitely don't need somebody like uh, Lars Ulrich you know a freaking billionaire suing me for like tens of thousands of dollars because i'm poor you know what i'm saying so i definitely appreciate the really royalty free stuff so with that being said um i uh, hope you guys keep listening uh my next big episode will be out in a couple days and it's actually a really good one it's a really good one it'll definitely make you do some thinking and uh, it'll definitely definitely get the get the brain going a little bit but um, until then, you can find me on 
iTunes, Podbean, Podcast Addict, Blueberry, uh, Buzzsprout, uh, hopefully soon to be Stitcher. I'm still waiting on word back from that. But uh, until until, uh, you listen next time, I'll talk to you on the flip side.